that for a cold open. <laughs> Yeehaw! So, this is episode 14 of Making Sparkles, originally titled The Making of the Musical Sparkle Pony Bear. I am your host, writer, composer, producer to the stars, TC Crosser. <laughs> and as always, by myself in my little studio, working it out. If you check me out on Instagram or Twitter, you'll see nothing but pictures of my very gay dog, Mitch, who is currently sleeping right next to me and wondering why I'm talking to myself, which I constantly am curious about myself. So, it's been a while. It has been, I don't know, it's probably been about a month or so. Um, Last time we left off, I was explaining that I was learning to let go. I was learning to know when a project isn't going to happen. And also, I was trying to figure out what I was going to work on and what I was going to do moving forward. So in the meantime, um, I worked with my music supervisor, Kaylee Drain, who's also an amazing cellist. And through that, I actually took some time off to help produce um, an instrumental solo cello work that she was developing for a European showcase. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. and I think in that process, I started to wake up a little bit. It was very refreshing to go back to someone else's work that I, more importantly, really, really um, admire and look up to. I mean, clearly, I look up to Kaylee. She's <laughs> she's my music supervisor, so oh, I pay her to basically be my boss. <laughs> um, I couldn't recommend services more to anyone else out there that's in the New York City area that is looking for a little bit more direction and guidance in their music, um, Kaylee Drain. So yeah, that happened. I know it, you know how it is getting these things started, girl. Mm, It's rough. It was Pride weekend. So the boyfriend and I partook in the parade festivities uh we kind of started towards the early part of the parade route um and we didn't realize because of that things weren't going to start and stop as expected so there's these huge gaps of time with no parade (laughs) we didn't know it was over yet um, and after about two hours or so, we, we called it a day, only to realize the Broad City float and all these other really cool floats hadn't even shown up yet. So I was a little dismayed. I didn't actually point this out to my boyfriend because I was the one that was oversunned and overheated and wanted to go home. <laughs> I'm a bad gay. I'm a very old, gad, gad, bad gay. Um, so anyway, uh, (laughs) check me out on Instagram and on Twitter, (laughs) TC Crosser, T-C-C-R-O-S-S-E-R. I'm vamping. SoundCloud, TC Crosser. (laughs) Check me, Facebook and YouTube. TC Cross. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. I'm. It's. It's. It's been a journey. <clears throat> it has been a very interesting month. Uh, so this is, as always, every podcast I do, the very weird intro where I kind of thesis statement as I go along what I'm gonna talk about. All right, so what am I going to talk about? Um, I'm going to talk about the new project. Um, 
what that means for this podcast. Uh, I'm going to kind of, and in that, I'm going to break out what it is, what my style, you know, development, blah, 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 blah. Um, before, but before I get into that, I want to give a shout out. I want to give out shout out to Raja Feather Kelly, um, who is part of the Feather Theory Performance Art Group, also part of the Lumberyard um, Performance Art Company. Um, amazing. I went to see his Not Another Fucking Andy Warhol production at the Kitchen in Chelsea. It was, I'm not shitting you, a three-hour tour de force. It was remarkable um i have been writing music for modern dance companies on and off for well over a decade now and this is the first time i've ever seen something a that was three hours long no intermission um and b was done right it just it had a narrative structure but it still had kind of a vignette kind of like scene work involved it was just it was beautiful it was breathtaking it was provocative i uh, i tip my hat to you sir and your entire company that was a flawless work of art and i would encourage everyone to check out the feather theory um and i don't think they need any publicity from little old me because Clearly, it was a packed house. But my boyfriend and I both went, and my boyfriend typically, um, the more existential surrealist things, um, he enjoys, but he kind of, he doesn't, he's not a big fan of on the nose. So modern dance sometimes is, can be dicey, uh, but he was equally thrown away, or thrown, thrown off, or blown away. There we go. Fuck my life. <laughs> he was blown away. He loved it, as did I. And and sometimes he and I, our tastes are not in sync. Um, and then one more piece of housekeeping for any League of Legends fans out there. <laughs> um, so if you watch League of Legends esports and you're an avid fan as much as I am, uh... Also, you can check out a really cool podcast called The Dive. Um, I think it's a good intro if you're getting into esports and you want to know more. Uh, but basically, the NALCS, which is the American version, since there's different continents and countries, the, the American version of League of Legends team called LCS, um, they all play in Los Angeles. Uh, the only team to care about is Immortals. They are seven and one. I'm rooting for you. Their top laner flame. Whoop, 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 whoop. Um, but honestly, I'm more because I'm a little bit more of a geek, and a little hardcore. It's all about the LCK. It's about the Korean teams and the Korean League of Legends. Um, you've got SKT, which is the number one always blowout. But my favorite team that do the most crazy stupidest shit which is entertaining for me is Longju. um their their logo is a big blue dragon how can you fucking go wrong i have a t-shirt <laughs> oh i don't know oh and then and then finally before i kill this intro and everyone's like what the fuck um i just got back into final fantasy 14 um, this will make more sense when I talk about my process, as well as the League of Legends. Final Fantasy XIV is an online MMORPG. Um, I just got the Stormblood expansion, which I think the level cap now is 60. I haven't even gotten there. I'm still at level 35 with my Arcanist Summoner. <laughs> Named Sparkly Pony. <laughs> But I've been enjoying that as well. I just wanted to throw out three things I've been doing while I've been away or while you've been away. I don't know how you'd consider that. And okay, fuck it. This is the intro. That was the intro. And now to the meat and the potatoes. 
And it's the meat and potatoes. Oh, shit. I should have taken a break first. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> when we left off, kind of talked about how I was having a bit of a crisis of faith. I was having issues trying to work on all these different projects. I kept bringing in all these people. I kept throwing stuff at the wall. And, and it was very indicative of my process in general. Um, I think that I use collaborations as a crutch that oftentimes I get to a certain point in a project and I, I just don't know what to do. And so my instinct is to throw as many other people at it to see what their take is and to see if... I think I'm always in this concept where I always want to be saved. I think... It, because for me anyway, <laughs> life dictates art and art dictates life. They're, they're kind of one and the same. Uh, if my work is so attuned to my own emotional state at the time, God, that sounds so fucking long-winded. Um, <clears throat> it's just how I work, you know? How I create is how I feel and how I interact with the world and, and vice versa. So I... Uh, the point where I left off with Sparkle Pony Bear and the Infinite and all of the uh, Judy does Black Sabbath, um, <laughs> all of the other crazy projects, I started realizing. Um, this was also the period where I started sobering up. And, you know, it's not like a light switch. You don't just stop drinking and then all of a sudden, oh my fucking God, the skies have opened up. It, it's, a, it's a long, arduous, emotionally taxing process. It wasn't something that I turned into a whole, I'm going to AA, that just isn't for me. Um, it wasn't a whole, like, I need everyone to know how I feel. Although my boyfriend would probably disagree with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it it was a process. And I think in that process, I realized that I was so terrified of dealing with myself and what I was really trying to say or really thinking. I, not even terrified. I was ashamed. Um, ooh, this is going to be a good anecdote. And I'll explain this in a little bit. Uh, but so, so the main premise was by collaborating by reaching out to other people at least at that point in time it kind of took the heat off me it, it it allowed I thought it was allowing me to be more objective but really what it was doing was muddying the waters it wasn't giving a clear coherent vision and then when I would all of a sudden snap out of it and want to work on it again I was kind of fucked like because I couldn't take it back. Other people were already involved with it. So so that's why I kind of took all of the projects that I'd already been working on, and I just kind of threw them in the scrapyard. Um, I'm sure when I'm 65 and you know riddled with Alzheimer's, I'll forget and then just start working on them again. But <laughs> I'm only 35, bitches. I got 30 years to go. Um... And so, so that was that was the main component. Was that I knew I wanted to work on something new. I knew I wanted to take my time with it, and I wanted to take all of the experiences and everything I'd learned, and kind of just feel it out. Kind of figure out a really good process, a good flow. Um, the other important thing was I knew I couldn't get rid of Kaylee. I needed my music supervisor. Um, but the sup music supervisor relationship is much more kind of like uh, an advisory type role, at least for me um, at this point. The music supervisor role will always augments and changes depending on the producer composer and what 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 needs to be done. Um, because there's no because I'm not getting paid to do this, I am paying her. I'm not getting paid because there's no real deadline. Um, it allows us to have a much more fluid res callback response. And, and I can go into that in a little bit. But I, I always constantly tell me, <laughs> okay, I'll, get, I'll get back to you. And then I never do. But but that is important. So so I will kind of redress, I will address 
that when we get into the process part, which is what I'm sure some of you are more interested in. For me, what happened, and I kind of explained this in the, the last podcast, um, I started getting really obsessed with dreams. Um, and I started getting really obsessed with repressed memories. Um, I felt like there's a lot of things about my childhood that were just these big gaping holes. And I already knew I came from less than ideal childhood. I clearly had a lot of issues and I had a lot of answers, but there were still things that were just lacking. And and that's what triggers this entire journey. So So getting to the point where I'm at today had to begin with me trying to figure out who I was and what was going on in my mindset. Um, and so I think that that's kind of a good place. I think a good place to start is the beginning. No, a good place to start actually involves my amazing boyfriend, my partner, Aaron, um, and a very emotionally cathartic, draining, <laughs> and terrifying discussion we had um, when we went on a vacation to West Virginia. West Virginia wasn't my idea. (laughs) Racist! West Virginia is racist. That's all I have to say to that. But, so, that, that is where we'll begin. We'll begin with my discussion with Aaron after I take a quick break. Hot. That was a really quick break. Well, not for me. So, <laughs> try growing up gay in Iowa. <laughs> try growing up gay in a town of 25,000 people, um, mainly rural, uh, it's very, I look back now living in like New York City for as long as I have, San Francisco, San Diego, even, although San Diego's a little hit and miss. I, after living in urban centers, centers, I finally kind of, things made a little bit more sense. It, it's, it's Middle Earth. It's the Hicks. If, Trump has taught us anything is that white entitled people are racist (laughs) that 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 if if the Midwest hides in this cloak of nostalgia they're always talking about oh I wish things were great like they used to be and it's like oh you want things the way where you were on top you were calling the shots and everyone else was disenfranchised and finally we're at a point in American history where the tables have turned the the disenfranchised um the minorities We've all been able, I'm partial minority because I'm gay, um, we've all banded together and been like, this is unacceptable, that we all have a right to be in love and be treated as equals, and now the red state white people are mad as hell, and they're terrified, and they think we're coming to take everything away from them, even though they depend on the same resources and and programs that they're trying to strip from us, they're stripping it from themselves, so it's kind of like they're biting their own hand, and I've never understood that, and as you see, it gets me riled up, and and this is how I grew up, This, this was my environment, so being gay, or not having come out of the closet, but being gay in that environment was insanely toxic. Um, also, having a mother who knew how to shame you, and I mean, if there is one emotion I can remember from my childhood, it's just shame. Pure, unadulterated shame. And, and shame was used as a tool to hide her inadequacies as a human being. Shame was used to hide 
um, things that had happened, circumstances. Shame was the tool that was used against me to make me compliant, to make me what, what was, to force expectation on me. And when you take that shame and you bury layer on top of layer on top of decade on top of substance abuse you bury it so deep it it no longer has an objective meaning it it now it has this kind of like almost it, it it's it's like a religious connotation right it, it's like you're praying before the altar of shame but you don't even know what shame really was it, it's kind of like christianity right christianity is a construct that had to be developed at you know the council of nicaea and even then they had disagreements and interpretations and that was only a couple hundred years after christ so, so, <laughs> so i'm on vacation with aaron in hicksville which was really resonating with me because it was reminding me of the hicksville i grew up in super racist super nostalgic over a time that was actually really horrific to minorities and gays and basically anyone that wasn't a fat white male. Um, and, and I just, I finally started opening up. I started explaining this shame. And, and for the first time, for the first time in about, well, to any, well, no, I think 20 years. In about 20 years, I finally revealed <clears throat> the main component of where this shame came from. There's a, there's a lot of layers. It's super, super complicated. But there there was one specific set of instances where because of the issues I had endured, I was in an environment of trying to figure out my sexuality and circumstances and things happen. And I just kind of revealed this kind of scenario to my boyfriend about, oh, well you know, there would be sleepovers, and then at the sleepovers, we would do these things, and blah, 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 and it wasn't, like, as I was even saying it out loud, it, it, it I, you know, now being a gay man that had lived in San Francisco for 10 years, I was kind of like, oh, this, this really isn't very taboo, but, but it, it forced me saying it and giving it a proper title and a proper description, for for Aaron, just because he saw me crying and just letting this all out, and he was finally kind of like, "There's nothing wrong with that." There, there. Everyone as a child experiments. Like this is not uncommon. This isn't wrong. Like what's wrong is the shame that was imposed on you. What was wrong was how you were treated, and it just opened these floodgates and really forced me to kind of identify and try to really figure out why would this happen and 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 literally the story I will tell is that so there would be little sleepover parties um my brother was much more even though he was younger than me was much more popular than me and he had all the hot boys um and in a discussion I basically gotten all these boys to with their clothes still on hump each other <laughs> which that is I, I, I mean uh, I buffer some of what I say oddly enough I do edit myself but 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 that was the long story short is that there was a scenario I had created because I was questioning my own sexual identity um, and what really kind of came out of that was my mother finding out about it. And I remember distinctly, she pulled me, I was in middle school, she pulled me out of class, threw me in the van, and just started screaming at me. And she literally took me to the police department, and <laughs> in front of the police department, screaming at me going, I'm turning you into the cops. The, the, they'll know what to do with you. I don't know what to do with you. I'm so ashamed of you. You're disgusting. And what is wrong with you? And, and I mean, it just, 
ugh. And from that moment, then, then actual other family members had to intervene. And so I ended up staying with my... The father I'd never really was my biological father was never around but his family was around later on in life and so his family unfortunately devoutly southern baptists they took over and they tried to help me and and it was this double prong whammy where i was staying with my aunt jackie um and she really was kind of this guiding beacon um she there was no point where anyone ever told me what I was doing was normal because again, it's middle earth. Everyone's super religious and you know, there's that, but really in reality, at least I got away from this mother that was doing nothing but just shaming me and treating me and literally called me a monster and told me that I was going to jail. Like you tell that to a middle school boy, like, there's going to be some issues with that. And <laughs> I had to, I had to splice. I, I, I got a little overly emotional. I had to simmer down, girl. Um, so, yeah, I think this is an excellent starting point. I think when, when you're trying to work on art, uh, there always needs to be kind of I don't know, at least for me, there always has to be like an emotional beginning, right? There has to be a through line. So so what I'm learning is shame has overpowered and been a predominant influence in my decision-making process. And through my own personal growth, kicking substance abuse in the ass, um, having an amazingly supportive partner in Aaron even though he makes me do chores that drive me crazy. Um, all of these things combined, you know, it, it, it kind of just it just showed me that there was a story here. There, there was something I wanted to say. I, ju- I just didn't know quite what I wanted to say. And so, so what I start with is this overarching theme of shame. And then I kind of take my little Easter basket and a little Peter Cottontail, and I'm just putting random things in the bag. So, uh, you know, I'm a huge sci-fi junkie. So lots of Doctor Who. All of my work always manipulates time in some way. So I'm putting that in there. Um, Trump and fascism. Well, that's a huge thing for me right now. So I'm throwing that in there. Um, Gender normative issues is something within the past year that's really piqued my interest. I'm kind of throwing that in there. Um, There's just all these different kind of... They're related, but but they're just individual components. I'm just kind of throwing into this basket, and and that I think that's, that's where things kind of left off in the last episode. As I was trying to hypothesize and put these little magical things in this basket and and kind of figure it out, um, and then I had this crazy dream. <laughs> Just this insane, very, um, oh, Jodowski, the guy who did, uh, uh, Holy Mountain, that was, like, that level of dream, and then from that, I started kind of breaking this out, and so I started, every time I had a crazy dream, I immediately would write it down, (laughs) like a fucking gay-ass dream journal, might as well have a dream catcher hanging over my head. But but no, it it was actually really fascinating because I I started to realize how much I lose and forget about the dreams I have and that if I write them down right away, how visually stimulating they are and how batshit crazy and out there they are. Um and so I started getting really fascinated with identifying that there are three distinct points of my existence. Um, There is the 11-year-old abused gay boy living in Middle Earth, Iowa, who has felt nothing but shame his entire life. Uh, You have me coming to terms with everything and finally kind of sobering up, 
And, and so the instinct is that shame becomes anger. It becomes rage and it becomes projected outward. You spent so much time insulating yourself and isolating yourself that now you don't even want to think about yourself. You want to help others. You want to push out this cause. And, and then there's a third time period that I, I'm, I'm only hypothesizing at this point, but one of complete acceptance. One, one where what was originally this crazy, dark, sinister, sludge-like thing at the bottom of your heart now almost in reverse becomes like a god-shaped hole it's it's because you're constantly evolving and there's always still more work to do there is this point of time where you're like oh okay so really all of that shame was just something i created it was my religion that i had basically been worshiping to this this false prophet this false god only to realize there was no god there to begin with so i got these three time points and so i naturally <laughs> <laughs> I go three time points. I love three three characters. So so the central concept is I have these three very separate characters, three separate walks of life, three entirely different points in time in America. Um all of them are connected by one reoccurring dream. So all three of them regardless of time and space and circumstance, are all communicating with each other in this one reoccurring dream. And what they're trying to figure out is each one of them has what I'm calling a darkness, a repressed memory or some type of thing that they've been isolating and hiding from everyone else. And so so the idea of this journey and my exploration in this now has become... sorry about that, Um, is I want to take that and I want to tell that story. I want to talk about how these three people that are representative of three different points in my existence, um, how they all relate to each other, they work together to kind of reveal what's happening. The time travel twist and the thing I, I find most appealing about this is taking that on its and putting it on its heels so what the few so so you've got basically past present future but really it's so 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 the the the, i'm also pulling from and the infinite a lot so so i again as i explain so this is a good stopping point so this is the stopping point where we go, okay, so now we have a premise. We we have a premise. It's about this reoccurring dream that's shared by these three separate people from three separate timelines. They all have a darkness. They all basically have a repressed memory. And now they're going to embark on a journey to discover what that that is for each one of them. And again, it's directly correlating to my own personal experience of feeling tremendous shame and and taking that shame and creating an entirely different kind of surreal universe with it and then realizing it was all fake. (laughs) Let me back up. So it's about just basically I'm just trying to kind of take the three different times of of dealing with this, right? So so you have one character who represents the abused kid, me, you know, um, but instead I make him more, you know, he's, you know, he's like in his 20s and he has this huge chip on his shoulder because deep down it's just shame that he feels and and he kind of exists in our present time, right? Like Trump has just been elected into office. That That is the, his time point. 25 years into the future, so that was Tristan. 25 years into the future, you have Sylvia. And Sylvia is a character who is basically, it's, the end of the totalitarian regime, right? It's end of fascism, end of Trump, right? Um, and because in my head, this is not going away anytime soon. Sorry, folks. So Sylvia has 
is indicative of the outward, right? So her uh, her concept is she's an activist. She pushes out. She fights against the machine. Um, she's basically taken that shame and that that repressed memory and used it as fuel to push out. Um, which is you know that that's where I'm currently at. Um, and then I have a final character who's another like 25, 50 years in the future after Sylvia, whose name is Arius. Arius has no actual gender because um, this is in the future, <laughs> like super future. Um, and instead of this shame and all of these emotions, instead it's almost like there's an emptiness. And so Arius, it's more about... I've expelled everything I can expel. I have accepted everything I can accept. So what do I do now? What what growth is beyond that? And so I compare that to the God-shaped hole and, and about, well, your inclination is to fill it, so what are you going to fill it with? And and that's those are the three characters. So you have Tristan, who is in past you have sylvia who is like 25 years in the future the activist the pushing out of the negative emotion and then you have arius 25 years after sylvia so 50 years in the future who has no real gender identity who has become this more i keep seeing tilda swinton in my head (laughs) um but like if Tilda Swinton was a person of color, which still doesn't make a lot of sense, but it does in my head, um, who instead now has this God-shaped hole and doesn't know what to do with it. Here's the amazing part. So so that is that is the crutch of what I'm trying to say. But the really cool thing is it's time travel, right? So what Sylvia explains and talks about to Tristan allows Tristan growth and development and understanding about the future. And what Tristan talks about the past helps evolve and motivate Sylvia, who is in the future. So the time traveling is under the guise of there is no such thing as a paradox, that that time itself is way more fluid than we, we think, that it's not linear. So what Tristan informs and does informs Sylvia, informs Arius. And so all three of these characters, as they interact with each other within this shared dream, they're also changing their own destinies, their own timelines within themselves as human beings and vice versa. So so you have these things where scenarios where something Tristan does because Sylvia informs him to do so changes the course of humanity but it changes it in the way that Sylvia is actually experiencing it. So it's the chicken or the egg. It's the fact that time is not linear. Everything's kind of mixed up. That gets into the sci-fi element. That gets really heavy. That can be super confusing. So let's all digest that for a quick second. <coughs> and I've digested it. <laughs> oh my God, this is so boring. I Well, it's not boring to me. But see, I'm, I'm already trying to diffuse the situation in case you're still listening to this and you're like, what? So let's talk about process, right? So we have this concept. We have these three characters, but what the fuck are we going to do? And this is where, in coordination with the music supervisor, who... Um, <laughs> It was an interesting journey, right? So so the first thing you always have to do is you have to get it out, right? So you, you get out this broad theme concept. Um, you kind of have some ideas on how it's going to end. You have a lot of notes on backstory on these characters. You, basically, it's just kind of like collage of information as it kind of comes out. You're also writing down your dreams and you're kind of going, oh, that'd be cool. Um, it's really refreshing for me anyway to work on a project that's not already set in stone. Um, Typically in the past, what I did was I started with a set of rules and then made the rules dictate the content. This time around, I'm doing the exact opposite. And instead of writing the rules, 
I'm just free-forming out all of the concepts and everything, and then from that, slowly whittling it down. So I love anime, and I love the structure of anime. Anime, basically, it, it's, it's a 30-minute episode that follows a three-act structure, but the beginning and the end each are a song, separate songs, um, and they're basically, there's, they're, they're weird because they're kind of narrative in a unique way, visually. Uh, that's my dog that you hear. <laughs> He's going back to bed. Um, so, so the anime, it's like you've got like a two and a half, three minute song in the beginning, two and a half, three minute song at the end. You've got the credit titles, but then what you do is visually you kind of narrate out the story as a whole. And you always kind of show something special or unique that makes more sense as you progress through the episodes. Love that. Um, and I think learning a little bit more about anime studios, they also purposely do this to fill time because creating um, anime is insanely labor it's very labor intensive it, it, it takes a lot of resources so anytime you can recycle something to shave off some time the better because you know that's how they do it so then I was like oh okay well what if I did this as an anime and it was a season's worth and then I took that entire season and I turned it into a four-hour opera and I filmed it. And I mean, I I went as far out as I could. And so what ended up happening was creating 26 episodes to a tune of like five hours worth of content and then taking all of that content and then determining and boiling it down into like a movie like a two and a half hour movie or something like that. Like, like, like that's what anime does is they'll, they'll do out an entire season, but because the season is always referencing previous episodes and you've got this intro and this outro, um, they're able to re-edit it and turn it into like a two hour movie. Ghost in the Shell, the animated series did this. Cowboy Bebop didn't really do, oh, kind of did. Um, the Attack on Titan did Anyway, so now I'm just showing off how much I know about anime. Uh, <laughs> so, so I kind of started with that concept. Um, started kind of getting those ideas out there and that that. And so, when I presented this to my music supervisor, she, rightfully so, is very confused. She's like, "So this is like an anime." 26 episodes at 30 minutes an episode she's like how the fuck are you gonna do this like th this is insane um and i agreed <laughs> not at the time i was a little argumentative because i was on like i'm doing my ideas i'm doing i'm being me you know i was like you do you girl and i i was doing enough for the both of us and but through her dialogue allowed me to start um, to simmer down a little bit and kind of get the expectations under track. So, so what we so under her um, advisory role, she was like, "How about instead of worrying about all that, you start with an outline? Give me an outline of what you're trying to say, and give me some character breakdowns, and we'll take it from there." And so, so that was the next phase. So then I in tandem had three separate documents I was working off of. I had character development. I had, um, an outline. And I also had like a scratch pad of just every random fucking note I was doing. And through that entire process of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth I kind of came up with the magic number of 13 segments. Um, and then within each 13 of the 13 segments has like a different theme that's through this narrative arc. And then I further refined each segment to just include one long form song. It could be multiple later on, but just for now, for my sanity. Um, so it's about each segment is one long form song, which means it could be 
as long as 15 minutes, as short as three minutes. It didn't really care. It was all about just finding the amount of time to fill the void, to fill the narrative arc and structure. So where are we at? Well, this is where we're at right now. So I've got 13 segments. I have a very concrete outline on the first segment. And I've done a couple of passes now, but now I have a seven-minute instrumental version of the first segment, um, which, of course, I'm going to share. And I'm going to put on the SoundCloud on its own, so you don't have to listen to 45 minutes up to this point of me rambling like a fucking lunatic. Um, and, then, and so <clears throat> where we're at right now, and I don't have an answer for is where we go from there. So I still don't know if there's going to be singing. I still don't know what the visual mechanism of this is going to be. Uh, but that's okay. Because I haven't written any rules yet. I, I've created foundation. And I've created an outline. And that, that's, that's where the process is right now. So as far as scripting this, um, it was important for me to first get the music out in its rawest form. Uh, what I'm about to share with you is actually past two of the first segment. So, so I think something like this, you're going to end up seeing like 25 passes before I, I, I feel confident that this is done. So again, this is very, very early phase. But so here is the instrumental take I have for segment one, my second pass. <laughs>
and there you go. There, there's my fun little descent into <laughs> madness. <coughs> Sorry, I, I made seafood Alfredo, and now I've got calamari bits coming up my throat. Okay, so that was the second pass. Um, I think from that you can kind of hear. There's some predominant themes. It's got a little bit of, if we want to talk about childhood memories like Peter and the Wolf, certain certain musical attributes are related to certain characters. Um, this is not the episode where I'm going to give you a full breakdown analysis because I want to keep this episode at an hour and I'm running up to an hour. So that is that is what it is. So what what what, what I don't know is if they're singing or not. So now we get to the next phase of the process. And so the the next, well, maybe we should spend more time. I mean, it's a seven and a half, like almost eight minute <laughs> piece of music. And I'm just like, ah, fucking listen to it. There, you're done. You had it. Um, I can break out. I will break. This is what I'll do. I'll break out in greater detail what the sections and the segments of the music are actually trying to say. I want to wait because after, and this is, this gets back into process. This is a process podcast. So, so the process is I come up with a pass um, and, and I've actually developed an entire workflow around this. So, so what Kaylee, my music supervisor sees is she has a folder that, that I upload all my files to. So, so she'll get past one, and then I have an Excel sheet that breaks out all of the key movements and the actual time timestamps on when those key moments happen. Uh, and then, a, then from that Excel file, she could start writing in her notes. Um, she may have more broad over sweeping notes, which would be kind of like below everything, just so I can see them. But, but it allows us to be a little bit more structured. Um, and so when I receive that feedback back, I've got this laundry list of her notes that's in order of sequence of the markers. Um, and then I take that and I further it by further noting what she was noting on because I have to pee on everything. Um, <clears throat> and so now I've got her set of notes my interpretation of those notes and I'll color code things like certain cells and time markers just to make more sense. She'll review that and then make sure we're on the same page. And then from that, which already happened the first go around, I create pass two. So I create pass two incorporating as much of the notes as I can or as I feel. Um, I don't want to get too rigid with it. And then now we have the pass two notes. Um, so Kaylee just received what you have heard just yesterday. So now I'm going to wait for her. So then she'll give me past two notes. I will paraphrase and through my mind make my passive notes. And then we'll work on past three. And we'll just keep doing that. Now what I'm going to do as we do that, and that's where process kind of becomes key. So the magic trick is... The outline with all the marker points is also the outline for the first segment. So I'm using a script editing software called Highland, uh, written by John August, who was screenwriter for Big Fish. <laughs> a bunch of others, but Big Fish. He's a big podcaster. Um, he actually wrote a really cool um, screenwriting program that, that kind of removes all the fancy bells and whistles and instead gets straight to like the formatting. So what I'm doing is I'm taking the outline that we've been developing for segment one for all the markers in the music, and I'm literally writing out each of those markers in a screenplay format. <coughs> so each row in my Excel file that is a marker, a specific point, with a little caption of what I'm trying to convey in that point, now becomes a scene in a script. So what I'm going to start, and that's where I'm at right now. I literally just put all of the markers as scene headers in the script, in the Highland um, script writing program. 
So, as Kaylee comes back from her notes on past two, I will start using the narrative of the outline to start actually writing out in narrative, 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 in narrative format. I will be writing out what's happening. I just, I wanted to get through a couple passes of the music um, because my fear is, is that if I worry too much about narrative per segment too early on, um, it will become its own set of rules and will hinder me. So, so once Kaylee gets back and we feel like that piece you heard has hit a good flow, um, then I will take that and I'll run with it and I'll kind of figure out in Jimmy Rig um, what the appropriate next steps are. But yeah, so there you have it, folks. Um, clap, 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 clap. I'm, I'm a little burnt out. I'm sure after an hour of listening to me speak in my grating gay Kermit the Frog voice, you two are a little wore out. So let's call this bad boy a night. Let's fuck this bitch. All right. Peace out, everyone.